0: This is Possibility Politics with Jeff Stein. The show where social, political, economic, spiritual, and philosophical discourse goes to live. We never give up the high moral ground, take no political divisioners, and fight until the bitterness ends. And now, here's your host, recovering hope addict and paid volunteer in the American experiment, Jeff Stein. Wow, are you watching this? Isn't this amazing, what is going on in this country right now and why it's all happening? That's, I mean, that's the point, right? That's what you want to look at. I mean, if you, you can get scared about all the craziness or you can look at why and, quite frankly, feel a lot more comforted. This is the reckoning. This is the culmination of thousands of years of male fear, lust, anxiety disorder. And thousands of years of the perceived value of humanity, which is that money and and influence, power and influence are the measure of human worth. That's been one of our greatest lies that we've told ourselves for since society moved into a society where we're ranked and evaluated and and compared to each other. It's been this thing of, so money and influence are the measure of human worth, right? If you go back to the kings of old, that it's really stark that if you're royalty, then you're literally a better human being and everybody else could just be put to death at whim by the royalty because, duh. Well, this has been thousands of years in the making. What is happening right now and today on Possibility Politics, we're going to get into Kavanaugh. Uh, what his nickname is on the Twitterverse uh, with respect to this era, and the reckoning as seen through that, why it's happening, and where it all goes from here. It should bring you great comfort. Uh, for those who love politics, again, you have to have broad view and you have to have patience. You have to just let it unfold. You have to know that what is good, what love always beats fear, inspiration always beats desperation, kindness always beats rightness. It just does. And the social fabric through consciousness, through karma, through prayer, through quantum physics, beautifully assembles to make it all flow through. And the lesson, if you don't learn it, gets harder, right? And that is what we are witnessing right now. Because it's not Kavanaugh that's on trial. It's not the Supreme Court seat that's on trial. It's not uh, the accusers that are on trial in the Senate this week. No, it's tribalism that's on trial. It's old male fears. Like I said, the the male fear-lust anxiety disorder. I'll get into that in a second. And it's old-time religion that's also on trial uh, because it needs to evolve. Fortunately, it is. Let me start in reverse order and do a little bit and this maybe fe- may make you feel a little better. Now, if you're a if you're a fire and brimstone kind of orthodox religious person, then you're probably pretty annoyed at where life is going right now because it is moving towards spiritualism. One of the great things that Pew Research does, is they do this massive survey of people every year and they ask a lot of different questions and one of the topics they always cover is how you feel about religion what and, and spirituality and philosophy and where the nation is going. And they, they interviewed tens of thousands of people. And for the last, gosh, you know, since the 90s, uh, there's been this shift where a majority of Americans now consider themselves to have a personal or spiritual relationship with God, their maker, their you know, quantum field, whatever it is that they believe in. It's gone now to where the majority of people have a personal relationship with that higher being, higher purpose, higher power, rather than obviously centuries where people had a relationship with the church and received God and had access to God through the uh, leaders and through the institution of, of church or religion. And that has long since been in the minority and getting smaller because what people are recognizing is that, wait a minute, hold a second. So if I'm connected to God, to the quantum field, to consciousness, then I don't need somebody else or an institution or a dogma or whatever between me and it, right? You can just receive it and access it. So that's one of the things that's on trial. Right now is this idea of men of women being obedient to men, right as it says in so many different scriptures uh, from all different religions. there's a lot of different versions of you know male needs to be in control and that's what's happening in the Senate right now as we debate whether or not to allow this gentleman, Brett Kavanaugh. <laughs> I know I can hear you say, "Gentleman," considering what he's alleged to have done. There's nothing gentlemanly. In fact, it's quite monstrous. And that is the third part that we're going to go into, which is tribalism. When tribalism gets to its extreme, where again you're choosing your party, your group, your affiliation, your you know whatever you identify with, your race, as being absolutely right, and your only job now is to identify your enemies and discredit them and find them wrong, and that always plays out the same way. it's gone on they've it, been through the cycle in different versions throughout history. Fortunately, it's not as violent this time around you know before the you know genocides were in mass levels including the Holocaust. I mean obviously this is extreme versions of tribalism. but the way tribalism always dies and then you know reborn in the lesser version. but the way it always dies is because the tribalists in order to stay allied with the uh, group instead of the truth, Instead of love, they're going to be, you know, it's like the old say, do you need to worry about loyalty? Criminals need to worry about loyalty because you're all in danger of falling if you don't stick to each other. But if you're loyal to love, if you're loyal to truth, if you're loyal to humanity, you don't need any uh, people to, to, you don't have to require loyalty. You don't have to need them to be with you on your side because they'll be on your side for their own benefit, for their own truth, their own humanity. So tribalism dies when the behavior of the tribal leaders, in particular, becomes so monstrous that people can no longer stand with them, and it snaps them out. And those that remain look ever more ridiculous in the tribe and ever more monstrous, and the ones who left become ever more certain of the fact that this is the wrong path. We call the liar's lens is what I like to call it. Once you determine somebody's a liar, you may have thought they were credible and believable and and, and you looked up to them and you were a mentor, whatever you want to say. Once you identify them conclusively in your heart and mind as being a liar, then everything henceforth you see through that liar's lens. And when you look back at your past decisions and your past uh, conclusions and beliefs, you find them now through this liar's lens and you go, oh my gosh, that tribalist was lying to me the whole time. They were a monster the whole time, but I was so busy identifying the enemies of our tribe and finding ways to destroy them in Kellyanne Conway classic just let's twist words to make them look wrong and us look right, which is, by the way, we'll get to this too of tribalism with Kavanaugh, how long he's been doing that and how long that's been his job. He is one of the classic tribalists, and we'll explain that and where that comes from. But tribalism dies when the behavior becomes monstrous, a.k.a. good people on both sides. The Nazis, there's lots of fine people amongst those Nazis. And I'm not saying they're not fine people. Everybody's fine people. Everybody's inherently made and built built in love. They just get so preoccupied with their fear that they do monstrous things. But if you can't tell the difference between somebody who is outright proclaiming hate and the destruction of other people and what you believe in, which is to you know perpetuate your, in this case, conservative values about humanity or compassionate conservative. Obviously, there's a massive distance between compassionate conservatism and the tribalism that says, well, we're going to go ahead and support Nazis because they're on our team. Only because they're on our team. It's like, whoa, you want them on your team? That's how that has become. And it's getting equally monstrous on the Kavanaugh topic. So when we come back, that is the first part of the reckoning I wanna get into. I wanna do the male fear, lust, anxiety disorder, which leads to this twisted uh, tribalism of sexuality amongst men, and the idea that money and influence are the measure of human worth, as well as why they're doing it and where it's going. Because this is the place where we look at this great experiment called America and hopefully leave it better than we found it. This is Possibility Politics. This is the home of truth, justice, sarcasm, laughs, and epiphanies, all while looking at the American way. Uh, I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining me on Possibility Politics. And, you know, it's just so cool. I love watching what's happening because you can clearly see what is winning. (laughs) And you say, well, women are winning and men are losing. No, 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 no. Men are not losing. Both sides are discovering their truth. And some, the tribalists, are holding on ever tighter. And they have to because they have decided that there is no choice. They've got their Kobayashi Maru, which is the impossible uh, thing that you can't solve, right? If you have gone this far into your denial, (laughs) then you have to live with it. And you either double down on your lie or you have a moment of contrition and revelation and (laughs) awareness. and And that has been happening a lot. I was a famous troll. I forgot his name. Weissman, David Weissman, right? Who uh, was a classic conservative troll and and got you know just thoroughly enjoyed attacking liberals and twisting their and using semantics to make them seem wrong and and their sides see right. And then he had this discussion with uh, Sarah Silverman of all people, who spoke directly to him about, hey, well, what do you really want? And then he recognized that what he was fighting for was not what he wanted. It was just what he was against. And you don't win when you're just against things. You actually inflate the side you're against, right? You give attention to what you hate and you will expand it, right? This is how life works, but people keep forgetting. And that's why I'm so confident in, in this outcome. Will Kavanaugh be confirmed or not? I don't know. And because I don't know how far they're going to go off the cliff. I really doubt it. I doubt Susan Collins or Lisa Murkowski and probably a few others will be able to live with his extensive body of lies. Because besides all of the, I'm sorry, and you're just like, oh, my am Kavanaugh guy. You're just making this up, Jeff. Well, listen, this, the lies are documented. When he was going up for the appellate court judgeship, which he currently sits in, he told Congress that he had no knowledge of this topic, and no knowledge the Senate, no knowledge of this topic, no knowledge of that topic, and said he'd never dealt with it before. And it's very controversial stuff, like you know the the the, the um, rationale for Iraq and weapons of mass destruction, and the and the um, and and uh, extraordinary rendition and torture, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, et cetera, and as well as his stuff with Ken Starr. Well, of course. Eventually, the emails were released that he authored saying his point on these. And so it was painfully obvious that he lied. And that should have been disqualifying for a Supreme Court justice. Not necessarily, you know, for another job. I'm not judging all jobs. He can find his place in this world. (laughs) Certainly, there's a lot of things. There are professional liars who get paid for it. But for the Supreme Court, you can't be a career liar. And Kavanaugh has been that guy. When it was working for Ken Starr, and then at that time, he wrote extensively about how Bill Clinton deserves no con- uh, protection from subpoenas or from uh, information requests or from requirements to testify, you know, and that impeachment should be done just because he's got a lack of character. That was when it was Clinton. But this tribalist Kavanaugh, when it was now D- uh, Donald Trump. He made an agreement. He made a pledge to Donald Trump that I will protect you from subpoenas, from being forced to testify from, you know, and I will discourage impeachment. I will be on your side. All right. So where does this come from? Because quite frankly. Kavanaugh, Brett Kavanaugh, on and Donald Trump are kind of the same guy. I, on the internet, uh, jokingly, I've seen this on the uh, on Twitter. The the new you know meme for Kavanaugh is he's an educated Trump, educated Donald Trump. And here's where the commonalities are. You go, that's unfair. All right, all right. Well, maybe if you love Trump, you'll love Kavanaugh. You think they're back to, in the same place because their emphasis is on you know show no weakness, strength, 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 strength. Well, the only reason you need strength is because you can't stand in the truth of your knowing. You know what I mean? Like Einstein didn't need strength. He didn't need to beat into people's head that physics was accurate. He just stood in his knowing and let the work demonstrate itself, right? Jesus didn't need to beat people into believing that love was the answer, right? <laughs> he didn't need to attack those who argued with him that love was the answer. No, he just lived in love. Duh, right? It seems obvious when you do a stark example like that. But when we think in politics, we get we spend so much time rewarding people who are mean or tough or able to have great comebacks. And again, that's money and power and influence. So Howard Kavanaugh and Trump, very similar. Well, they learned to exert their power, right? In order to be uh, validated, to be strong, to be appreciated, they exert their power. Trump, through his salesmanship, right? He was really good at just telling everybody everything was awesome and it was amazing. And so the Trump he managed to keep that Trump name to have so much value that people kept giving him money until they stopped. And then in the 2007, 2008, when he had a D rating with his financials and he couldn't borrow any money, and then the markets crashed, especially couldn't borrow any money, then suddenly he's flush with cash, which, of course, as Mueller shows us, we will find out, because Russians were giving him money. He bragged about it. Eric Trump bragged about it, all the money they get from Russia and all the, all the golf courses that, are, that were funded by Russia. So, you know, he's, that was his through salesmanship. He exerted power as well as having money already. Kavanaugh, Brett Kavanaugh exerted power through status and station, right? He kept ascending. He went to Yale and then he became a lawyer and a judge and he worked with Ken Starr and he worked with the Bush White House and that just made him more and more powerful because he was Brett Kavanaugh, the the, the person involved in these powerful uh, parts of, of, of government or business, right? Or in this case, eventually, you know, the, the judiciary. And they both came from the school of hard cash <laughs> not from the school of hard knocks but the school of hard cash all their needs and sycophants were bought and paid for they were surrounded by anything they needed right i mean they could afford it first of all and because they were rich and powerful by station or by salesmanship or by buildings with their names on their on it um, sycophants were easy to accumulate. And that's the first thing I learned when I came to Hollywood. Uh, I I won't name any names, but I I was, you know, in my travels of working for various circumstances and and employers, I discovered there were some who were in power and money bubbles, and they surrounded themselves with folks who would agree with their lies. It was my first exposure to sociopathy to see (laughs) someone tell you a, a lie about you know, the powerful person or the powerful institution or the powerful organization, the Hirey Weinstein types, and then you, say, you confront them with a lie and they immediately craft a new lie because it is more painful for them to acknowledge that they are in contradiction to their actual purpose and authentic selves than it is to, to exert strength of conviction and double down and triple down on that lie. So all their needs, whether Trump or Kavanaugh, and their sycophants were bought and paid for. They were surrounded their whole lives by material ease, right? They never had to worry about uh, <laughs> fighting or earning things. And of course, they'll say, oh, I earned this, I earned my seat. And then, yeah, well, yeah, you did processes, you did take steps, which led to things, but you were surrounded by all the doors open with piles of cash and influence and, and station and salesmanship, right? And they lived at a time where they had the social economic permission to follow their self-aggrandizement and and to do their base human impulses because no one stopped them. They were surrounded because they were so powerful, no one stopped them. They were able to just do it. Well, he's a judge. I mean, that can't possibly be what you're saying. That can't be true. He can't be a, 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 a belligerent drinker who conspires with his uh, buddies to corner women and let all our friends have a chance at these drunken, drugged up women. That can't possibly, that can't that, that, that possibly be the person you're talking about. Well, that's their social and economic station. If they were obviously someone from the from a poor part of town doing that, they'd be in jail. <laughs> right? This is the thing. This is our, This is why this is a culmination of thousands of years of a society based on money and power and influence being the measure of human worth. We're not doing that anymore. Look who's gone down. Right. Weinstein, Bill Cosby was just sentenced to three to 10 years. The first one in the Me Too, the first major trial, of the first of the Me Too uh, reckoning. Uh, you know, Les Moonves, you don't see Matt Lauer anymore. You don't see Charlie Rose anymore. Uh, you know, these folks went down. But for Donald Trump and, and Brett Kavanaugh, there was no accountability. There were no limits and there were no physical hardships to teach him them anything about a self-worth and self-earning. And in that sense, I pity them. I obviously, uh, the the victims obviously uh, sympathize with more. They even got it worse. But this is where we are. And I assure you, and if you think about it, think about it. There's no way this is going to sustain itself. It is monstrous. The Senate, white males in the Senate right now, they do not understand how monstrous this is. They're so busy Doing politics that they've always do. They love it. And they say, this is politics as usual from the Democrats. No, no, you're doing politics as usual. We always project, right? We always attack everybody else for what we are actually doing. And they're doing politics as usual. They just think of it as, how do I posture this? How do I move Kavanaugh through? How do I make the Democrats look like they're the problem and we're the victims? And they spend so much time crafting their victimhood and defining and proving and uh, defending their persecution that they haven't stopped. To think about what would it be like to be held down with your with someone's hand over your mouth and being sexually molested, or their daughters, or their wives, or their sisters, and and I love that Twitter. I can't remember. I apologize for not knowing the author, but the Twitter it was a it was a prominent politician who said, "I don't uh, resist sexual harassment and assault because I have daughters and sisters. I resist it because I have sons." Because I want to teach them that this is not acceptable. This is not who you are. And that's why I want to come back in a second here with the, again, these thousands of years of male fear, lust, anxiety disorder that we've had. You can see how power and influence have been the measure of human worth. And as a result, have allowed those, the the, the snitches on the beaches who have power to be able to do whatever they please. And the ones who do not uh, usually receive uh, repercussions for their actions. And that has really caused thousands, multi, tens of thousands of years of issues that's coming to a head. And so whether Kavanaugh gets confirmed or not by some miracle way, and in all likelihood, they're not going to get anybody confirmed because they're going to drag this out because they will not let go. Republican strategists who have left the Republican Party because of what Trump did to it, because of the monstrous behavior that is being justified and defended, you know, taking children away from their parents at the border just because they're brown, not the other borders, just this one border talking about racism. So openly they got they, they found it to be so monstrous. They have left it. Right. And they're looking at it now like, how can this continue? How do they not see how monstrous their behavior is and how monstrous the behavior is that they're defending because they see it as existential. They see that if they don't defend this male-dominant patriarchal circumstance, then it will be over and they will no longer matter and they will be worthless and useless and actually perceived as part of the problem. And a lot of, I can hear a lot of my female friends saying they are the problem. Well, it's a tango. We both have to learn our sides, right? We have to recognize that they are monsters, but it's also because uh, we believe that they have power over us, that they aren't accountable, that they will get away with it. Karma always comes around. It's a bitch, right? It always gets you. And karma is getting Kavanaugh right now. He's having to go home and lie triple and quadruple to his wife. And you're saying, no, he didn't do any of that. Really? Then why didn't he ask for an investigation? You know, I remember when O.J. was 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 busted, and people, and there was I had friends who said, "I I don't know, I think he might be innocent," and I said, "Well, what would you do if you behaved as an innocent person? If you were accused of killing your ex-wife and another gentleman, Ron Goldman, in a horrible way, and you were innocent, would you hide, like O.J. does? Well, no, I'd I'd speak up, right." Would you be working with the investigators to find the real killer instead of just traveling through golf courses saying you're looking for him? No, exactly. It's the behavior. And these guys are behaving like they know he's guilty. And again, I was going to say, the, the Republican strategists are stunned, but why don't they just go to the next person on the list? There's a long list of people like like Neil Gorsuch, who are vehemently conservative and will achieve their means of ending Roe v. Wade or letting corporations dominate with the speech and over labor and to end environmental protections and government regulations, there are more than enough conservative judges who will give them that and don't have a past of heavy drinking, molesting, and et cetera that we're going to find out that he may allegedly has done, right? And they don't understand because they don't see if, the, if you're a Republican uh, like my family of Eisenhower Republicans who have left the Republican Party because of Donald Trump and this craziness, then you don't even understand how you could stay with the monstrosity, how you could be that tribalist because it doesn't make any sense to you because it goes against the truth of who you are. But they are. And they're staying that tribalist. And because it's all they've known and they've doubled down on their denial for decades. <laughs> it's like a, they've doubled down on their denial for decades. And what is that denial? We got to get back into the weeds of male fear, lust, anxiety disorder. That's what I call it. It's my own made-up word. Maybe it'll make sense when I come back. So when we come back, we'll do that and wrap this up and then give you a little prediction of where it's going to go because you can tell, you can tell where it's going to (laughs) go. That, when we return, this is the place where news and life meets optimism and patriotism. This is Possibility politics. Welcome back to Possibility Politics, the place where we fealize our way to a saner future. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining me. The point of this show is to (laughs) calm us all down a little bit, really, so we can say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm freaking out here. I'm feeling like these guys are getting away with it. I'm feeling like the crazy is still in control and there's no way that we're going to wrestle it from control. Well, look, look at a democracy. Look at how democracy works. There has been, the biggest problem has been apathy. Nobody has shown up. And one of the great benefits of Trump and his ilk and extreme tribalism of the male patriarchy, which uh, is going to try to stay, keep with the old time rules and the old time religion and the old time male fears and the tribalism, is that they're getting to be a shrinking or shrinking and shrinking minority. And the rest of us, The benefit of them is reminding us that this is not who we are. There's no way. And people say, Trump, I get away with it. Really? Are you telling me that the majority of the nation, they're going to just suddenly give up on everything they believe in, in terms of whether you're conservative or or, or, or liberal. But what are you going to do? You're going to say, you know what? Nah, I'm going to give up on everything I believe in. I'm going to totally ignore the Constitution and the rule of law and that that part of our, our truth in America that nobody is above the law and I'm going to make this one exception and I'm going to throw it all away because I want Trump to go ahead and be able to do what he wants for as long as he wants to the country and, and get all the credit for it because that's what he does. Like he did in the UN where he st- stood in front of all the nations and their representatives and ambassadors and said, I have done more achievements than any president in American history and they laughed. And this is a guy who back in 2014 put out a tweet. And the beautiful thing about the Twitterverse is that there's a tweet for everything that Donald Trump has done. This is from August 9th, 2014. He was talking about Obama and he said, We need a president who isn't a laughingstock to the entire world. We need a truly great leader, a genius at strategy and winning. Respect! Exclamation point. And then he goes into the U.N., and he's a laughingstock of the world when he says, I'm the best president that has ever been. And I've done more achievements than any president ever, which, you know, you might be able to sort of get away with that. A, if it was true or B, you got through eight years of presidency, but you're not even you're just at two years. So you can't even sell that on its merits, let alone on, uh, you know, the, the personality of Trump that everybody knows. Right. So you got Trump and you got Kavanaugh and these guys are the same ilk. They learned to exert power, trump through salesmanship, Cavanaugh through station and status. They both came from the school of hard cash. All their needs and sycophants were bought and paid for. I said this earlier. And they've been surrounded their entire life by material ease and the social permission to follow their base human impulses with no responsibility and no accountability. Well, what is that? And this is the part of the reckoning that I'm so pleased to see everybody is getting. People get that sexual assault, no matter how long ago, is still an issue. Because Kavanaugh could have saved himself. He could have. He could have said simply, but they can't because they're tribalists, and tribalists are never wrong. They teach themselves, like the mafia, fear is the answer. And, of course, there's lots of Trump quotes. For those who know politics, you know these Trump quotes about, you know, never deny, 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 one of the great quotes, never admit, never show weakness, always just attack, 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 right? And they do that because they lack truth, and they lack knowing, and they lack the backing of humanity that would be universally accepted by anyone. And so they just keep doubling down, tripling down more and more. This is who these folks are. Well, where did this come from, right? And again, be thrilled because the vast majority of the nation gets that this is not cool and this ain't working, which is why we have six. Hundred women, the record ever, 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 running for state and federal offices in this 2018 cycle. And of course most of them are Democrats, but there are some uh, Republicans in that mix too, which is sad. If you're a Republican, you should be bothered by that. Um, And there are, obviously, the majority, of, I think, even of Republicans. The Republicans are whittling down to this who's polled, the people who still admit to saying they're a Republican are the folks that are fully on the Trump train and, and they see that this the white male dominance is existentially threatened. It will end. It will no longer exist if Donald Trump isn't validated. If Donald Trump and the Senate Republicans and Brett Kavanaugh aren't validated, then they believe it will be taken over by black female lesbians from who are Muslim. <laughs> right? Right? Or whatever. The extreme is. I know, no, Jeff, I don't really think that. I I, I don't I know white people aren't in control of anything. Okay, good. So why are you still on the Kavanaugh train? He lied. No, he didn't. Well, then you're not looking. I'm sorry, you're tribalist, because it really doesn't only takes a second to figure out that he's multiple lied to, in to the Senate under oath, perjury. To me, that's a that's a deal breaker. Even when Clinton, for those who are liberal and 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 Democrat, you look at it and say, what was the biggest? What was your biggest objection to Clinton? He lied about an affair, and you know, and that wasn't as big as lying about oh, I don't know, you know, uh, weapons and, and and wars and torture and what have you, or in this case, a sexual assault. But he lied about that, too, to a degree. So, and nobody accepted that. I digress. I apologize. <laughs> I get excited. Kavanaugh, he could have gotten through this. And the way he could have gotten through this is telling the truth, a form of it. He could even just, you know, uh, doctored, spin-doctored the truth and said, you know what, uh, you're right. We did a lot of drinking and a lot of partying in high school. Uh, I blacked out a lot. I may have done some horrible things, and if I did, uh, I don't remember them. He could even use the I don't recall rule. You know, He could just lie, and, and, and the Republicans would have covered him, and he had, would have had enough support, he probably would have slipped through. He could have just said, I don't remember, but if she says what I did, I did. That's horrible. I don't see it that way. I don't remember it that way, but that's horrible. There's no question that's horrible. That should never happen to anybody. Now, on Fox News, he sort of said, you know, well, I'm sure sexual assault was bad, and, and it probably was bad to whoever it was, but it wasn't me. But if he admitted that, if he said, like, I blacked out, I was drunk, I probably did some terrible things I regret, don't we all? Please forgive me. And the evangelicals love a good forgiving, right? Redemption. They love redemption. We love we all love redemption. If you can truly, genuinely ask for forgiveness, the great example would be like David Letterman. When it was found out he was cheating, which didn't hurt anybody except his marriage and his image and his wife and his kids or whatever. It hurt. It hurt hurt his family. He owned it. Fully owned it. Said it was stupid. Said he's going to be begging forgiveness for some time. Said he's going to be working on it and then did so. Kavanaugh could have done a similar thing and people would have seen it as, wow, this is the me too moment. And even somebody who was as horrible in his behavior, assuming that's all true, a horrible in his behavior. And you're saying, well, Jeff, you're assuming it's true. Yeah, I am assuming it's true. If it is if, if Kavanaugh can be exonerated if he didn't do any of those things he would demand an FBI investigation immediately because he knows it wouldn't take the FBI but two seconds to find somebody who put you know Mr Green in the study <laughs> with the wrench instead of uh, in the you know prep school with the girl and his buddy doing horrible things he could and his buddy could testify right Mark Judge could just come in but of course we know the truth and we know they've got a body of this kind of Drunken, sexually inappropriate—not inappropriate—assaulting. Uh, I mean, it's criminal. Uh, you know, depending upon where that line is drawn, and we're going to find out when Dr. Ford speaks, and we're going to find out when these other accusers speak up. Because the more you deny it, the more people step up. And this—and the only reason Donald Trump didn't receive the repercussions of his multiple sexual assaults is because by the time the Me Too reckoning had gotten through the curve and the majority of Americans were like, oh wait, this is really is the moment and enough women were feeling bold enough to join and enough men had been woke enough to say, oh my God, I had no idea it was this bad because I actually didn't, you know, because not to toot my horn, but I'm a guy that I've said some inappropriate things when I was in high school, I'm sure in college and in that age, I've, I've done some inappropriate things, but, it is unthinkable to me, and I know I didn't do anything where if a woman I was trying to be involved with in some way or another said no, I know what no means. And so for the vast majority of us, of men like that, it just is unthinkable for us to not take no for an answer. And so we're learning. And by the time that that learning curve was 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 moving enough that both people that were the, willing to take no and those who said, yeah, gosh, you know, I think I did push too hard or those who went, wow, I went too far. Those folks woke as well as women getting their strength of knowing that I can speak up this time and not be destroyed by the But pa- By the time that occurred, Donald Trump was already president. And now that he's president, the only people that can remove him are Congress. And Congress is run by the same white male fear, lust anxiety disorder, money and power and influence equals human worth patriarchy. So where does that come from real fast? (laughs) <laughs> Not real fast, <laughs> but I'll give you the cursory version of it. And by the way, I have a thing called the Daily Belief Game, and I did something on uh, sexual appropriate sexual touching. I highly recommend that. It's also on the same side as SoundCloud, where you'll find Possibility Politics. It's the one on the bottom of the list. It's the longest one, and it's uh, it, it, I did it as soon as the Me Too moment started, and I'll give you a deeper version of the of the hormonal crazy that goes on. But to give you a cursory idea. Men men you know this if you hear this, and women you can kind of understand this. You're not as afflicted with the stupidness of, of testosterone. Some women get it more than others, and I'm not saying you don't get it, but in the same way that men don't understand uh, women's perspective that you know that are unique to them. So men have had this problem for thousands of years, which is a the lust, the desire to be sexually engaged. Is an incredibly intense chemical desire. It is strong, okay. And the only knowledge I can come up with, which is even close, and it isn't really good, is in women. You see a baby, you gotta hold it, and and I've, you can observe it, right? A woman see many, not all women, but some women, when they see baby, they get such a rush of estrogen and progesterone and all these different hormones. They gush, they goo, they go, oh, and the thought of not touching that baby and holding that baby, it's almost painful right? But the difference is, is that, oh, you can hold a baby. You're not going to hurt the baby. You can help yourself. But for a male sexual lust, which is extremely intense. In fact, I love to tell this story, but I, I had, had a conversation anecdotally with a couple of different people who transgendered from female to male. And one of the great stories they kind of warn you about, and then, and I heard them say, speak of firsthand, which is once a testosterone, you start taking testosterone shots. The first thing you, you notice is, oh my gosh, you guys really do have this insanely chemical strong desire to do sexuality. So, for thousands of years, men had this incredibly strong desire that they just kind of, eh, and they didn't know what to do with, because obviously time they weren't you know advanced enough or sentient enough or smart enough to know what to do with it. And when you have an intense desire that causes almost pain when you don't re- receive it, and then you juxtapose that with the fact that that desire is received from outside of you, in other words, you need another person, a female, to satisfy that desire, you start becoming a real jerk who wants to control the other gender, right? We have to control the other gender because that desire is so intense with me and I want control over it. And then you combine it with, and that creates that fear, lust, anxiety disorder, right? And then you combine it, with a male's recognition that they have a lack of control over their reproductive destiny, now we have to control women's bodies because if we don't, then we uh, you know, feel out of control. And then you get the men who obsess over society, You know, made this way for thousands of years, that you as a male are judged by how much power you have over others, over your station, over your circumstance. Are you royalty? Are you money? Are you powerful? Are you influential? And you put all those together, where you're, where you're, here's your your maleness, where you're, you know, obsessed with your sexual, you know, releases, which you only get with the cooperation of others. So you have to control them, and you have to be the king of the hill to be considered worthy in society at large, especially your male counterparts. And so you go overboard with for thousands of years with this lie that, hey, it's just how it is. And then you even get women to participate. You saw this group of Republican women who came out and said, you know, in the light of Kavanaugh, we should let him go because boys are just boys. They can't control themselves. Their sexual desire is just, it's just what they are. They don't mean any harm by it. They're just poor little boys who can't control themselves. Well, they are standing on thousands of years of misperception and misconclusions and wrongheaded beliefs, which make them think they can't control it. But it can be focused and it can be controlled and it can be realized in a way that is mutually beneficial to all. And now that leads us to the final punchline. Where are we going from here? Because this is the good news. This is exactly what our people, our humanity, our society, our country needed was to put such an extreme monstrosity of behavior on the old ideas so that we can pivot immediately and say, no, no, we're, we're different. We're better than that. We are thinkers. We are people who can understand humanity and mutual benefit. And it is, it's ushering. And it's part of the other part we had to learn, which is to go from territorialism and, again, tribalism or uh, racialism and realize we are one people in one community on one globe. We are one. And that's why I say I started with that idea that old-timey religion, we went from religion and access to God to the church to spirituality of oneness, which again coincides. And so look at that. Look at the beauty of this. All of those pendulums are swinging in synchronicity right now. We're putting them all together. And that is why 2018... Is going to be a blue wave, not just because Democrats are rad and Republicans are bad. It's just because in our bicameral system, there happens to be one side. In fact, the the one thing that people under 30, when they're polled by Pew and they don't like political parties, which is why so many of folks that have registered in massive numbers since all of this has occurred, since the last since since this era of shootings and Trump and what have you. Uh, And Puerto Rico, they have registered in mass numbers mostly as independent because they just but in anyway, in the meantime, there's one party that is more aligned with expansion and growth and community and together and, and being in it together and being each other's keeper. And that is currently the Democratic Party for whatever it's worth, and a lot of people are coming in saying, no, I'm a Democratic Socialist, no, I'm an Independent Democrat. They don't even want that label, but there is a wave of, coming, of people coming in running for these offices, and when you look at the numbers, the old-time male patriarchy uh, positions and, and office holders are crumbling, and they're getting smaller, and their polls are getting smaller because there's this wave, and that doesn't even count. That's when they do likely voters, and to be a likely voter in a pollster means you voted before. You're not a likely voter, uh, even if you say, you know, I, I have a highly probability, I'm very determined to vote. They still rank you down compared to somebody who says, I'm likely to vote and I have voted repeatedly and before. That is a much better gauge in the past, but this time. There's going to be such a wave of voters saying, I'm, I must go with somebody who's for things, who's for health care, who's for uh, women being respected and treated the same as men, not just the same, but just equal, allowed to be known as their greatness as they are, each gender being having its greatness uh, that are both intertwined and independent. And if you hear that, you say, yeah, that's exactly how it is. Exactly. You know it. You believe it. You know it's true. I can ask you. You can ask people, say, do you think women and men are, you know, one should be treated lesser than the other? Of course not. And so this wave will be so big. You will be so pleased if you're on the side of wanting people to come together because they are. And then, you know, the drama is going to keep going because they're going to try to put in a uh, Supreme Court nominee in the lame duck between and they'll have limited effect. We'll see how that goes. But they will probably have to do it without this control of the Senate. Well, they'll, they'll have the control of the Senate until January when the new Senate takes over. And again, in all likelihood, I don't have time in this episode for numbers. I've done them before in the past episode. The past two episodes, you can hear some of the numbers about where it's going. And I'll do some more as we get closer to the election. But everything with almost a tiny, and with a one, one to five percent exception uh, of of polls and of candidates and of races, everything is heading away from the male patriarchy and the old time ideas and the 1950s attitudes, and towards we're getting the living wage. We got to be able to work a 40-hour week and actually sustain ourselves. We got to rich people shouldn't get more bonuses and money when people are starving and they have no health care. You know that's not pro life. Watching people die without health care. This is obvious to people. Poisoning waters because we want to give coal companies more profits, that's obvious to people. Not obvious to everybody, not obvious to the the tribalists, but we're hearing them because they're still in control. And so there's a perception they're still in power. But it's almost over. So please, for your own benefit, step back. See it as the lesson that the nation needs. And notice the helpers because everybody's stepping in to be the truth and be the change they wish to see thank you so much for listening we'll do this again soon this has been possibility politics with jeff stein the social political pop cultural discussion show that looks at life through the rose-colored eyes of the almost criminally optimistic jeff stein